bit over to um, Anne's chapter, thank you, uh, chapter 20, and that is page 1055. Just to say, um, before we um, kick off, I've already met um, a good few um, new people this evening, so welcome if you're new or newish. Um, if you want to get to know a bit more about us, um, who's on welcome to you tonight? Can we just have a wait? Um, do come and chat to these girls over here, and um, they'd love to meet you and can tell us a little bit more about um, who we are and what we do. And um, we're in the middle of our kind of value series, and we looked a couple weeks ago at Get Connected. Last week, Tim looked at Get Involved, and we've now landed tonight in Get Giving, and next week, we get out there. We do have that banner, but the poem is yeah, there we go. Back in the building soon, guys. It's going to be brilliant. Um, so, John 3, 16. Let's start with that. Page 1006. And thanks for praying through that, Cara. Definite Holy Spirit moment there. So, John 3, 16. Well-known verses. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And then let's move over to Acts chapter 20. And in those verses in John, um, Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee and a Jewish leader, and he was declaring who he is and was and always will be, that he is fully God. He gave himself for us. And when we hit Acts, um, we see the person of Paul. And these verses, um, Acts chapter 20, verses 32. In fact, let's go down to 38, verses 32 to 38. There, Paul, speaking to the Ephesian elders, so the leaders of the Ephesian church. And he's giving them his kind of concluding remarks. But at a deep level, he's saying goodbye to them because it's the last time he's going to see them before he goes to Jerusalem and then to the um, martyr eventually in Rome. So this is Paul to the Ephesian elders. Verse 32. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. When Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with them all and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them most was this statement, that they would never see his face again, and then they accompanied him to the ship. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we just thank you that you are a generous God, that each of us sits here tonight because of your generosity, and because you've called us by name. And as we consider your word, as we come before a topic that many of us will have heard what feels like a kind of thousand times, Will we hear your voice in you? Would you conform and change and strengthen us? And would you show us what it means to be a generous people? Amen. Amen. 
Um, the first thing that we wanted to say this evening is just a huge thank you to everybody who gives so sacrificially, especially this year um, with no space, um, to the life of St Dean's. But I really hope that as we consider um, this whole concept of giving, especially in financial terms this evening, that actually we'll hear something new. Because um, even as I was kind of preparing this sermon and looking through it, I suddenly thought, gosh, I've been doing this kind of act of giving for the whole of my um, Christian life, and it's so easy for me to almost sort of forget about it. Like the direct debit just goes out of my bank account, a bit like a tax on a student loan, um, and that's, that's sort of done, tick the box. And actually, it's so important for us to come and think again and again, okay, why do we do this giving thing? Keep my heart soft, God. Show you a bit more of who you are. So a big, big thank you, and hopefully we'll all get something out of this evening. Equally, and if you're new or visiting, or if you're just passing through this whole concept of giving, like why on earth would I do that? Um, I hope tonight I'll just answer a few of your questions, give you a bit of vision for it, and welcome you um, deeply into the life of the church. So that's where we go. So the first thing that you think about when we think about giving is to think about theology and anthropology, or to be easier, to think about who God is and who we are in relation to God. So who on earth is God? Well, we often, often, especially in this series, we're talking about the Trinity, the fact that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's relational, he calls us into relationship with each other, he calls us to get involved, get active, because he's an act of God. But he's also this hugely, hugely generous God. He's a God of giving, a God of generosity. And we first see that in, um, in the act of creation. In the fact that God created the world and us as a generous gift. That he created this world, he created each one of us this evening in love. When we consider the kind of options for creation, um, the first sort of option we have is maybe like the modern idea of the Big Bang. Please don't get me wrong here, I'm not like a literal seven day creationist. I'm sure there was like a Big Bang when creation happened. But we've got the kind of like random chance bit, you know, impersonal, something just sort of happened. And the world came to be, and we came to be. I did, because we've got that out there. Or in the ancient world, when the Bible was written, um, the main idea about how the world was created was one of violence. That essentially the gods up in heaven were at war, and somehow in that war they inadvertently created the world and created us, and the world and humanity were inherently bad. And into that steps the middle ground of the truth of Scripture, of the God that we know, that actually creation is good, and we're good. And God generously created the world and has generously created each and every one of us. So it's not some random isolated act over here, or it's not some like kind of evil, violent accident that should never have occurred. Creation is good. And we're good, though marred by sin. Um, God is the ever-giving God. So God gave and was generous in creation. And then he gave us the world creating us in his image, as image bearers. And because we're created in the image of a generous giving God, we are made to give. Actually, inherent in our DNA is that we're made to give. We're made to be a generous people, that we're the crown of creation. Um, Graham Tomlin, who's our bishop, 
from whom I nicked a lot of this talk, um, just puts it like this. Creation is a place shot through with generosity. This is, where, this is the way the world works. Creation is a place shot through with generosity. This is the way the world works. Or at least it's the way the world works at its best. When we're at our best, God has given us free will. We can decide to be generous or not. And so we know that the world flourishes when we're a giving people, when we're a generous people, because God is a generous God. Equally, we know, if you know the end of the scripture story, that it didn't quite end there. The world is good, God's good, we're good, everybody's good. Actually, we failed, didn't we? And we fell in the act of taking rather than giving. We took the fruit rather than giving to the world around us, stewarding the world around us. But of course, God is the ever-giving God, and he's a relational God. So the story of scripture is God constantly, constantly getting involved with his world, with his people, calling people, saying, remember who you are. Be gracious, be generous, give. And so as you tear through the pages of the Old Testament, when you see the Old Testament and heroes of the faith, Abraham, Moses, David, Isaiah, leaders, prophets, they are generous people. They are always living for God. They are always living for the other when they're at their best. They equally do some interesting things at points. Um, And then we see God's mandate to his people in the Old Testament, to the people of Israel. And it's one of generosity and one of giving. And there's real kind of financial implications to that. So you open up the book of um, Deuteronomy. It's in the book of Deuteronomy that we find the principle of tithing and we teach the 10% tithe that actually you know, take hold of your income and prayerfully think what the Lord is calling you to give. But there is a biblical mandate for, for 10% there in Deuteronomy. But it's all about justice. It's all about the flourishing of the world. And so the people of Israel are called to give, are called to bring um, their offering into the storehouses so that justice can roll like a mighty river, so that the poor and the needy can be fed, not just the rich. There's always a justice element to our giving. And then we hit the New Testament. And who's the first person we truly meet in the New Testament? It's the person of Jesus. And if nothing else speaks to us of giving and generosity, it is Jesus. And it is his sacrifice made once and for all on the cross. Because even more so than creation, the cross shows us tangibly that God is an ever-giving God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God Almighty came down, dwelt amongst us, and gave of himself. And in that act of giving, he didn't lose something. Actually, he gained the whole world. He chose to give his life so that he might be resurrected again and so that he might reconcile the world to himself and so that each and every one of us can know him and could be welcomed in as his hands and feet. People who get to give, get to be involved, get to partake in all it is to be a kingdom adventure. And that's the kingdom of God. It's a place of generosity. It's a place where we know that we were made to give where everything is kind of upside down, first to last, the last will be first, as Luke puts it. And then you go through the rest of the New Testament, you see the book of Acts, and the verses that we read this evening. We see the letters, the epistles from Peter, um, John, Paul. And again and again they speak of generosity, and they speak of giving. So that Paul can write in Acts 20, 35, 
as Jesus said to him, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And Paul can write that by his very life. Because actually in other places he can say, having everything whilst having nothing, gave over all of his life to the gospel, to living generously. And always in the New Testament, just as in the Old Testament, giving is linked to justice. And so again and again in the letters, you see this refrain, remember the poor, remember the poor. When Paul writes about giving to the Galatians, he says, the thing I desired most, remember the poor. There's a justice element to everything the Lord calls us into. And there's some interesting stories about giving in uh, the New Testament. Um, please read Acts 5, Ananias and Sapphira. Yeah? It's a bit, of a bit of a scary one, isn't it? If you haven't read it, essentially. Um, Acts 5, Ananias and Sapphira, and they are a married couple. Um, and it comes just after Acts 4, which is all about believers uh, sharing everything, so that no one was in need, and they were remembering before. Um, and then Ananias and Sapphira pledged that they are going to sell a field. And with the proceeds of the field, they're going to come and they're going to give all that money to the feet of the apostles so the apostles can put it to good kingdom use um, for the growth of the gospel and for justice. But they hold some money back. And they come before the apostles and they say, here's all the money. And they challenge. First of all, Adam lies. And he lies and says, no, 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 I'm giving you all the money. But he hasn't. He's struck down dead like that. And then Sapphira, his wife, comes in. And she lies again, and she's struck down dead like that. You think, flipping head gold, what is going on here? Um, but the thing that's going on is it's about the heart. It's about the heart. There was something not right in their hearts. It's not about money. It's about the fact that they lied to God, and they lied to their brothers and sisters in the faith, and that they held back in greed and in deceit. Always the Lord is calling us to have soft hearts and to go the extra mile and to know that it's better to give than to receive, to know that we are made to give because we're made in the image of him and who gave everything and who is a generous, generous God. So where does that, where does that leave us um, right now? So it's 2019. How do we make this really practical and really tangible without like, scaring ourselves with another type of things? Um, we could go down loads and loads of tracks today. But one thing I thought would be helpful this evening is just to think about the stuff, the stuff that we own. Um, so, let's make some space out here. Um, we know that we are people who um, live after the cross. We live in the light of Jesus Christ, as the New Testament church did, as uh, the book of Acts tells us. We also know that there's something still to come. But one day the Lord will come, Jesus Christ, the right hand of the Father, to judge the living and the dead, that all will be restored, that will be caught up in heaven, that what we're longing for is this eternal reality, that everything's coming to that, that we find ourselves in between the trees, the tree of the cross and the tree of the new creation that we're here. And we hold all our possessions here. And they're a massive blessing from God, but they're also finite. And I was, um, I was thinking about this. And I was thinking about mine as a journey of my mobile phone, right? So, um, who's old enough to, uh, to remember one of these? Yeah. Tom Blanken? Max Blanken? Yeah. Anyone else? Tom Blanken, me, Max Blanken, Caroline's with me, Brim is with me, Brim. Anyone? Anyone who raised it? 
So, right, when I first moved back to London about 10 years ago, for me, um, smart things were only like becoming a thing and they were really expensive. So I had a good old Nokia, not a Nokia 3210, like a stolen student union, but I managed to upgrade to whatever the heck this is. And I had a mini ADZ. So um, the only place I really knew how to get to was like London Zoo, because the last time I'd lived in London, I was 10. Um, so what the heck was a girl meant to do if she needs to go to the pub to meet her mates? Well, get Google Maps on this. Um, so what would happen is that my friend Bob or something would text me and say, you know, we're in the foundry in East London or something like that. But then, because everybody had one of these 10 years ago, he said, that's page like, I don't know, 111, and that would be square E2. And then you just set up on the tube. And that was how you got around. It was brilliant. And it was like cutting edge, but it worked. So that was that for a bit. Living between the trees. Um, <laughs> but then, my friend Anna, who was a bit more uh, technologically savvy than me and had more money, got a new phone. And she gave me her iPhone 3. Look at this. Um, and there they went to the box under my bed, where I think they've lived for a really long time. Um, and they were replaced by the iPhone 3, which is um, quite battered now, if I'm honest. So I had this for a little bit, and it served me well. If it's Google Maps, I didn't need Square E2 or whatever. Um, but then, then it got really slow, so I upgraded to an iPhone 4. Here we go. Um, iPhone 3 ended up in the box under there. iPhone 4 went quite well for a while. In fact, I think this lasted two years without going slow, which is quite good on Apple. However, then my mate Cheryl convinced me to move on to Android, a disaster. Anyway, replace the iPhone 4 with an Android situation, which is a nightmare. Um, but iPhone 4 went under my bed. I'm well aware that I'm a horrible hoarder and I have no idea why I have all this stuff. Um, so, there was an Android. Actually, Android was so bad I didn't keep it. Um, and then eventually got fed up with the Android. So 18 months ago, I got an iPhone. I don't even know what this is. I think it's an 8 maybe or something like that. Anyway, and this is doing really, really well. I love it. But, you know what? In, I think in like six months, I'm due for an upgrade. And it's probably going to end up in the box under my bed. That's just stuff, isn't it, guys? Like, for a moment, just think about something you hold dear, possession-wise. And it's not that God doesn't want you to have it. And it's not that wealth is bad. The early church was full of rich people and they were really, really needed. But it's all finite. It's all finite. And actually it all lives between the trees. And the only thing that is heading into eternity with us is other people. And the people who we tell about the Lord Jesus Christ. None of this stuff, none of our possessions are going with us. And we're called to, to live as if that's true now. And one of the ways that we're able to do that is through giving. But actually, giving isn't meant to be a burden thing, it's like a freedom thing. It helps us exercise our spiritual muscles. Helps us see more clearly who Jesus is. And Graham goes on to say, One day there will be no more. And I am, we are, to live as if that is true now. And tithing, giving. Yes, I agree too. Um, Tithing, giving is just one of the glorious things that God's given us.
so that we can be a bit liberated, so that we can hold stuff lightly, so that we can be different to the world around us. So we can enjoy it, but know that it's finite. Okay, so God is a generous giver, and if we're going to really get giving, we need to get that. We need to understand who God is. We need to understand that we're made in his image and therefore we're made to give. And it's a freedom thing, not a burden thing. More than anything, we need to understand that we worship Jesus Christ who gave it all. And that, that just says it all. And, and we need to know that actually we're people of eternity. And eternity is really about people, not pounds. So, that's why we Okay, so what does that look like for us and Ats and Ds? Let's get really, really practical. Um, on your seats, there should be a flyer, which I can, and then Laura help me out um, with it. Um, so let's just look at the um, front bit. Okay, and this is uh, what we spend our money on. So actually, um, we have in our budget, and we receive basically from you guys, because we don't own any property or anything like that. So this is the hugest thank you for the fact that you know we have basically three hundred and forty thousand pounds a year to, to do what the Lord wants us to do um, in this place right now, um, and we spend um, nearly half it, forty six percent, on staff and pastoral support. Don't worry, the staff are not paid like a hundred grand or anything like that. But actually, this is just a huge budget line there, where it's all the staff salaries, and then it's national insurance and pensions. It's some of me, my housing, and um, it's team time and building and training. And we really, really believe in people because it's people that are going into eternity, not like mobile phones and other things. Um, so that's what we spend a lot of our money on. And um, we also spend quite a bit of money on the Common Fund. Um, if you don't know what the Common Fund is, there are some brilliant booklets, which are actually really interesting. Um, and you can get them on the website too. And there's just a few over there if you want to take them. The A30, we're very excited about this booklet, I would like to say. And Mark Jarvis is a Common Fund expert, so he will tell you anything you want to know. Um, yes. <laughs> and Common Fund, basically, is what the, uh, the diocese, um, diocese of London, asks each church to pay. And we are a rich church in comparison to a lot of the churches around. So our common fund, and it covers him and the vicarage, it covers a little bit of me, and it covers all the kind of diocesan staff, so it's not just Bishop Graham, um, but it's all support staff, they give us a lot of help, they've been brilliant around living space and things, and it also enables us to give a little bit of money away to churches that have a lot less than us. So that Jim Tate up in the White City, doing extraordinary work for the kingdom, whose congregation have like no money and who struggles to meet his common fund. Actually, we can go above and beyond and we can give back to them and we can be a generous people. So I just commend common fund to you. It's a good thing. So that's staff, that's common fund. Um, and then you've got the building. Guys, isn't the building an absolute privilege? Yeah. Crumbs, especially, I mean, we've had an amazing time here. But I can't wait to go back into the building. It's going to be brilliant. And um, the building is such a gift that loads of churches don't have. And without the building, we couldn't do half the stuff we do. You know, recovery course, pre-glass door, alpha, all that stuff. And so um, that strap line is it's the insurance and the cleaning and the maintenance, health and safety, gas, electrics, all of it. And then admin. You know, we need to do some admin um, in these days. So that budget line sits there. And that, that's all the kind of office running, the technology, phone lines, licenses. We need licenses for loads of stuff. Audit fees. That's where it sits. And then finally, at the top, at the Cam's Put Mission and Ministry. And that's like the dream line. 
That's the, what could we not do? Because at the moment, we're, we're doing glorious stuff for the kingdom of God. But the more that we tithe and the more that we give, that line will just keep growing. And we'll be able to see justice well. All this stuff that we've been talking about over the past few weeks and months as we filled in like flip chart pieces of paper of our dreams after living space and everything. That's where the budget line goes. We're not going to spend loads more on like the electric or something like that. But we can spend more on people, on mission, on ministry on serving the poor, on telling people about Jesus. So that's where the money goes. If you've got any more questions, do um, come and chat to me or do, do email Laura. Um, we'd be really happy to, um, to talk to you further about that. Um, and then if you flip to the other side, how to give. And again, with a real awareness, loads of us are giving. Um, our preferred kind of way of giving is the parish giving scheme. I know lots of you guys um, give through that. Um, you can set up kind of monthly direct debit or quarterly or I think yearly too. Um, and there's some of these forms um, just at the sand around the um, offering box. And just by get giving back that. I think Emily's put some downstairs too where we're going to have um, refreshments. And you can up your giving. You can change it really easily just by emailing them. I did that um, a few months ago. It's the simplest thing in the world. Or you can start new giving. And if you just pick up the form and um, fill it in, or you can do it on their website, which is on here somewhere. So the parish giving scheme is one of the easiest and uh, best ways to give by direct debit. Equally, if you want to step up, uh, set up a standing order, um, bank account details are there, and you can do it in that way. And all these details are on the website. And don't forget gift aid. Um, gift aid is brilliant. It gives us about 25% back, which is amazing. Um, so do remember to, to gift aid it. Again, there's gift aid forms on the website or just on the offering box there. And also, guys, it's a kind of above and beyond donation. And there's the sort of one-off or maybe once a month where you just know, actually, this month's going really well. Maybe we've had a bonus at work or something like that. And traditionally, we've just had a physical offering box, but we know that we're starting to live in a cashless society, which is good, I think. Um, so we've got the, we've got the time go machine, too. And you can just, um, at the morning service, those are the kids who are using their parents. So I'm very Um, guys, that's just going to be there, and if and when, we'll stir your heart. Just, just tap away. Um, and that's a really, really easy way to give above and beyond kind of regular giving. We do commend regular giving to you as a spiritual discipline. Okay, that's been um, quite a bit practically and um, spiritually. So what we're going to do now is just allow this to settle in our hearts and our minds. I'm going to take communion together, just so that we can focus on who Jesus is and all that he's done for us and what he might be calling us into tonight. And then at the end of the service, when we have some time to pray and to think, um, do just pray for me, take a form, use the tap and go, have a thing, drop me an email, respond in a way practically that you know that the Spirit is, um, is nudging you. And we, we'd love to, to hear from you in that way. And we're going to make sure we've got some time now to, to think that through and to gather around and celebrate all that Jesus did on the cross. So if you're able, um, let's stand together. And should we just take a few moments of quiet? Just going to invite the spirit who is with us and this has been.
tend to stir our hearts to speak to us. So Father, you know each of us this evening. You know our different situations. And you love us. You know that it's not an accident that we're in this room tonight. That you want it. And Lord, would you just show us now what it means to be and how you want us to walk that out in a new way in the coming weeks and months. Just come and listen.